What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I mean, it's going to be different. I mean, playing with them. You know, I always play against them. Never never could beat them, but now that I'm joining them and uh, got a chance to play with them, I, I get to learn a lot from them, and uh, we can win some games and have fun this season. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where you know it's the dog days of summer when we got an entire podcast devoted to none other than Born Ready himself, Lance Stevenson. Lance Dance. Am I right, Alan? Oh, you're definitely right. (laughs) Kiki loves him. (laughs) Hey, Alan, speaking of which, what are your thoughts on Lance Stevenson's dancing antics this summer since becoming a Laker? It's hilarious, man. It's so funny. I instantly followed him on Instagram, and uh, I am not ashamed to say that I've watched uh, his dancing videos more than once each. Tommy, what dance moves have you picked up from Lance this offseason? <laughs> Tommy's the best dancer ever. All of them. <laughs> yeah, I picked up all of them. You picked up all of them. Okay, great. So, like I mentioned, today's episode is going to be as weird as it is to say Lance Stevenson specific. We've got on a special guest. His name is Tony East. He's the host of Locked On Pacers. He's a credentialed sports writer. Um, He covers the Indiana Pacers games, and he's going to give us his in-depth knowledge and insight into how Lance Stevenson's season with the Indiana Pacers last year went, especially as in the last year and a half, Lance Stevenson returned to the Pacers and kind of had a mini revival of sorts in his career. And I think that's what's led to LeBron James picking up the phone and telling him, hey, don't re-sign with the Pacers, even though they're offering you more. And I want you to come play with me. And so we'll get to that interview very shortly. Uh, But first, before we do, as usual, 
Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us on iTunes, Alan. That is how many more dancing videos Lance is going to release per hour until the season starts. I think with his teammates, though, too, the viral dance challenges and videos, because I think LeBron James, even when he was with the Heat, did those sort of things as well. I don't know if he's going to oh, do it this dude, year. Oh, all of that's coming back for sure, he told me. What was that song where it's like, Coto Terrorista? <laughs> you know, that's that? <laughs> that the Harlem Shake. The Harlem Shake. Shake, the Harlem Shake. <laughs> Does anybody know what they say? I just know that Terrorista. I don't know. <laughs> I just think of Birdman, though, and how he looked in Birdman, that video. Birdman, <laughs> Birdman, Birdman. <laughs> And Mario Chalmers. Mario Chalmers is Mario. Oh, that's so funny. LeBron looked crazy in that video, too. He was wearing, like, a robe and, like, yes. a, a crown, right? With a, He might have had a scepter, too, but that was an amazing... But his face was just, like, insane in that video. God, I hope there's more of that the next three plus one years. Can you only imagine with Kyle Kuzma and, <laughs> and Lonzo, Josh Hart and, and everybody, Lonzo? dude? This is going to be a lot mean. of Fortnite dancing. Oh, that's true. Mike Beasley, <laughs> Lance Stevenson. Oh, man, it's going to be lit. So, yes, please rate and review us for that reason alone. Isak Bonga. <laughs> I don't know what that guy's going to be doing, but it would be hilarious if somehow he is like the smoothest dancer on the floor, right? Because he's not a smooth ball handler. <laughs> he needs saw. two years of development on the dance floor before he can <laughs> be in the video. <laughs> he might, he might. But please rate and review us on iTunes so he can get that development through all of these viral dance challenges and also just because i mean it's summertime we are working hard to get this content out to you and curating and queuing this up show us your appreciation by rating and reviewing us on itunes and also patreon.com slash the lakers legacy podcast so yeah before i get into our lance stevenson segment alan i haven't asked you this question yet but we're going to talk a little LeBron James because it's all about LeBron James this summer. It's going to be all about LeBron James these next three plus one years, as you mentioned. Um, so for you, I've asked Tommy this question already, but when did that shift happen for you from being a LeBron James hater and going through the LeBron versus Kobe debate and shifting over to, it may have happened before this season. It may have happened a couple of years ago when you may have thought this was more a reality than not. But when did that shift happen that you decided to embrace LeBron James potentially becoming a Los Angeles Laker and wearing a purple and gold jersey? How did you resolve that tension and cognitive dissonance between once hating the dude and all of a sudden loving the guy? Would you consider yourself a bandwagon fan by now saying that you love LeBron James or did you make that shift a long time ago? Um, I think I made the shift when he went back to Cleveland mm. and uh, it, it didn't have so much to do with the fact that he went to Cleveland and all that kind of stuff. But I just feel like at that point he'd matured so much from when he was with the heat. I think my, my like bottom <laughs> um, level of affection for LeBron, my lowest amount was when he went to Miami, just like pretty much everybody else out there. And I, I definitely unfairly scrutinized him when he was there and picked apart his game as if like he wasn't good or something ridiculous like that. It's like, oh, his footwork is not nearly as good as Kobe's and he isn't like even close to having the same fundamentals as him, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, that stuff went away a long time ago for me. And I definitely hit a point where I said, uh, we got to appreciate <laughs> this guy because he is so freaking good and he is on, you know, the Mount Rushmore of basketball for sure. So, 
yeah, that reconciliation happened years ago, probably four four years ago or something like that. And as far as like the rivalry, Kobe versus LeBron, it went away around the same time. And in terms of accepting him as a Laker, and when I wrap my head around that in a positive way, um, I mean, it wasn't really a thought <laughs> uh, over a year ago. You know what I mean? So it didn't exactly cross my mind two or three years ago that he could be a Laker. So I can't say that at that point I, w- I accepted it. But definitely when the rumor started circling and just the the like far-off idea of him coming here came about, I was totally down. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're not going to see me throwing paint on any murals. That's for darn sure. Funniest thing about all of this is if you actually mic- microscopically look at LeBron's career, this dude was a major Kobe stand from day one. There's a 60 Absolutely. seconds interview where they ask him, who do who would you say is better right now, you or Kobe? And he's like, <laughs> I think it's Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? What are you talking about, dude? That was like a 60 minutes interview, right? Yeah. yeah. Once you've made that mental shift to go back and say, why did I, I, I mean, why did I hate this guy all this time? Or it's really easy to embrace all of those aspects all of a sudden. I mean, I know why we hated him, right? He front run with the Miami Heat. But as we've seen throughout his career, he's also matured. And I think you can find that maturity endearing. And the the way that he's come to the Lakers as this lone savior willing to take on the challenge amidst no other superstars I think that's a really cool aspect that we did not envision initially when we had dreams of when LeBron comes to the Lakers, it's going to feel like the Miami Heat, right? Now it's just like, oh, he loves the young guys. And now we see him dapping it up with all of these young dudes and being invested in, in them as human beings. I mean, that's such a cool storyline and takeaway from all of this, that LeBron James is actually the exact sort of personality that I think these young guys would gravitate to and I think Tommy you've talked about this before right just the type of guy LeBron James has always been this inclusive sort of person and I guess if you want to just really quickly speak on that fact that man not only will these guys learn and develop from him on court but off the court as well I think these guys are going to learn that they're going to get as much out of LeBron as they're willing to give to him and to the team because if they fully invest themselves in being the best basketball players they possibly can be, LeBron is just going to elevate them to like unheard of levels. But he's going to be able to do it in a way that I think he's done his entire career. I mean, LeBron is 33. He's going to turn 34 this season. When Kobe was turning 34, he was like a 90-year-old man. I don't mean physically. I mean in terms of like his life views. You know what I mean? Like he was grizzled. And he was like, don't get off, you get off my lawn. Like, don't talk to me. Like he was like that kind of guy, you know, and that's fine. And that's what worked for him. And that was his personality. But LeBron has always been a super inclusive guy. And to the extent you've ever heard of LeBron having any sort of clash with a teammate, it's always been because he felt that a teammate was not serious about basketball. Mm -hmm. LeBron has had good relationships with the weirdest characters. Like, hey, let's talk about Lance Stevenson and what effect he'll have to just kind of tie it together. Yeah, exactly. So, like with Lance Stevenson, you know, that's I think a really good example. Lance Stevenson is a weird guy, and he's a quirky personality. And you can look at him, and maybe some people look at him and think this guy's not serious. But that guy goes all out on the court, and that's all that matters to LeBron. LeBron can relate to Lance Stevenson on his weird, like, dancing, making funny videos, like, being silly, 
you know, having fun on the court. Like LeBron can relate to him on that level. And as long as Lance Stevenson comes out and, and goes all out, Le- he's going to be part of the team and he's going to be part of, he's going to be a guy LeBron trusts. I mean, people think of J.R. Smith. LeBron loved J.R. Smith, like before, like pretty much before this past year. And even that was, you know, mostly stuff that happened at the end and disappointment. You know what I mean? But there was a lot of other factors at play there. So LeBron has just been able to get along with everybody. And I think that's, that's a really, uh, that's that's something to look out for with all of these guys, both the young guys and with Lance Stevenson. Yeah, I agree. And speaking of Lance Stevenson, um, before we get into my interview with Tony East, um, not trying to get up on a soapbox here and, and act all self righteous and whatnot, but you know we do recognize that Lance Stevenson, outside of the weird, quirky antics, is a very controversial figure for what has happened to him at the start of his career, and even when he was undergoing his recruitment phase with Cincinnati. I don't want to go into the specifics, but he has had domestic abuse charges when he was 18, 19 years old. And that has sort of mired his off-court personality and character. And I know a lot of people are probably going to wonder why. Why are we devoting an entire episode to Lance Stevenson? And I will admit it is a very tricky line to kind of to try and straddle in terms of separating basketball between very serious allegations and issues and how do we this is the real cognitive dissonance I'm talking about right it's not about LeBron James versus Kobe Bryant it's about how do we root for a player that has done some things in their in their life that are despicable and you can't excuse but having said that and we in no way condone his actions when he was 18 years old I also along the same lines do not want to be the judge and juror with regards to having those actions hang over him because I don't know who this guy is personally I don't know what he's been through in the last eight years of his life and I'm not gonna say that he hasn't changed or that he hasn't shown remorse I'm also not gonna say that he's he's a great guy and that you should like him or anything like that but I think what we're gonna try to avoid is kind of just slandering this dude and and holding what he did at 18 over his head now what he did was despicable we're going to say that outright. But I guess, Alan, what are your thoughts on just, just this idea that it, it, sometimes it's difficult to root for a player that has done these certain things? And, and how do you sort of wrestle with that? And obviously, we've had Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant had a, a very serious rape case against him when he was about 23 years old or so. And, you know, some people who are getting on us for throwing out an episode with Lance Stevenson are also the same people who rooted for Kobe Bryant in spite of the fact that he did have this very serious and controversial allegations thrown against him that he admitted, you know, he was in some respects wrong on. So given that, I think we're able to accept it more because it's Kobe Bryant and we've contextualized his situation and his past career and we've seen his growth and development not only as a basketball player, but as a human being, as a father, as a husband, but with Lance Stevenson, well, we don't know him, so we're just going to say, oh, this guy's a domestic abuser. So how do you reconcile all of those things? Well, number one, as far as like why we're releasing an episode solely dedicated to him, I mean, the other alternative would be, you know, not talking about him because of what he did in the past. Like, we have to talk about the guy because he's on the team, and we signed him, and mm-hmm. we want to see what his role is. And it is the dog days of summer, and we have a guy who knows a lot about him. So that's why there is one episode dedicated to Lance Stevenson. It isn't necessarily because 
like we're obsessed and in love with the guy, right? We're trying to get to know him mm-hmm. and we want to put stuff out there. Um, and then in terms of just how one should go about viewing him, and it's very difficult to do this, but if you're able to compartmentalize what he did in the past and simply view him as a basketball player, you know, you can look at his game and you can see what he has to offer. And if he plays well, you can commend him for that. And if he doesn't play well, then go ahead and say what you want about him as far as playing basketball is concerned. Um, and I think if you're having a difficult time reconciling those two things, that's one way to go about it. But if it becomes impossible for you to even stand looking at the guy because you feel so strongly about it, then, you know, that's fine. Um, there are plenty of athletes and celebrities and whatever out there, you know, that you can, you can point toward and just people in general, not even famous people that have made awful mistakes in the past. And, um, some things are unforgivable to some, some might say, well, we can forgive him for that and we can judge him on his current behavior and recent behavior. So, uh, it's, it's just different for everybody for sure. So, um, yeah, if people are kind of upset that we're talking about the guy, that's our point of view. Yeah, and I'm a huge proponent of seeing redemption in characters and seeing them grow and all that stuff. And I'm not necessarily saying that's happening here. But Tommy, what's your take on all of this? Yeah, like you said, it's it's a sensitive subject, and and uh, we're kind of towing a, a line here. But again, nothing will ever. That's a thing that happened, and it was a horrible thing that happened, and there's no excuse for it. But at the same time, it's also maybe in some instances not completely fair to uh, judge somebody for, you know, two isolated incidents that occurred when they were 18, 19 years old. We don't know what kind of, you know, family life this guy had growing up. We don't know what kind of life this guy had growing up and the things that happened that caused him to make the decisions he made. Um, People make bad decisions in life, some much worse than others. And, it's not, it's really in, in most cases, not fair to judge somebody for the rest of their life because of something like that. They're, these guys are professional athletes, so things get put into the spotlight. But frankly, um, before all of this happened and people talked about all these, all these charges, I thought this was some things that were like happening recently. And again, not, not saying that it's, it makes it better. Oh, you know, eight years ago versus four years ago. It, that's not the, that's not the issue. The issue is it's it's two things that, as far as everybody knows, two two incidents that occurred when this guy was 18, one when he was 18, one when he was 19. And as far as we know, and we'll hopefully learn uh, today, that those were isolated incidents and people change. And not to go too extreme, and I don't want to belittle the situation, but there are literally people who get put in jail for murdering another human being and come out. And the point of our, you know... Our society has accepted this idea that people can be rehabilitated. So I don't know why when it comes to these types of situations that we all just throw, like certain people like to stand on their high horse and throw their hands up and say, oh, that's it. He made this decision, this bad decision one time, or sorry, two times when he was 18, 19 years old, and that's it. His life's over. It's it, it's really, it's, it's kind of odd to me. Um, so that's where I think things stand, and I think as the season wears on, uh, hopefully Lance shows us all who he's become over the years. Yeah, and you know, as human beings, I would hope that that didn't happen to me if I were in if I made a mistake or anything like that. And I think that's exactly what you were getting at. So with that said, and to 
turn things over to a, I guess, a more lighter tone. We are going to be talking about Lance Stevenson, the basketball player. Lance Born Ready Stevenson, what his contributions were to the Victor Oladipo-led Indiana Pacers last year, who took LeBron James to seven games and probably reignited all of those LeBron versus Lance scuffles that they used to have when Lance Stevenson broke out in 2013-14 and was busy blowing into LeBron's ear and whispering sweet nothings in there and all that stuff. So yeah, I'm going to get into my interview with Tony East now, host of Locked On Pacers. We hope you guys enjoy. And once again, this is Lance Stevenson, the basketball player. So we will catch you guys on the turnaround. I just like that they run the floor. They run the floor. They push the ball. They make smart decisions throughout the, throughout the game, and uh, they just they just playing real hard. And you can see that they could guard anyone on the floor. So I'm just watching, uh, looking to see how can I come in and come in and join them. Hey, this is Brian from the Almighty Baller Podcast Network here to talk about keeps. So there's just no two ways to say it. Losing hair is awful. Nobody wants to go through it. And two out of three guys are going to experience hair loss by the time they're 35. This is the world we live in, people. Now, I personally haven't started this, you know, downturn, but I got a couple of people close to my life that go through it. And they always say, should have started it sooner rather than later. So anyways, these FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes, now and starting just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. So they've ironed out the process. Basically, you just take a photo of your hair and you shoot it over and a licensed physician will review the information and recommend the right treatment to you and then, boom, shipped right to your door every three months. So Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month. Uh, plus, now you can get your first month free uh, to, to what? To keep your hair. So come on. What are we talking about here? To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash almighty. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash almighty. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash almighty. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow. All right. So tonight we are privileged to have... Indiana Pacers columnist for the West Indianapolis Community News, writer on 8.9 seconds, and host of Locked On Pacers, Tony East with us tonight. Tony, are you ready to talk some E.K. Bogu and T.J. Leaf? <laughs> UCLA legends. And Aaron Holiday, don't forget. We uh, drafted him That's this year, That's true. Too. I mean, I'm, I'm joking about that, but there is some <laughs> Los Angeles relevance there, so it's not too too far left. Uh, but no, seriously, we are actually going to be talking about some someone more relevant to the Lakers specifically, and that is Lance Stevenson. And you know it's the dog days of summer when you have an episode devoted to Lance Stevenson. Uh, but Tony, I ask you again, how are you doing tonight? I'm really good. Uh, it's a nice indie night. Just went for a run, so... I'm really happy to be talking some basketball, though, since the game's just ended. Unfortunately for the Lakers, not the way they wanted. Absolutely. But <laughs> they did have one very huge free agent signing, and I'm not talking about Lance Stevenson. <laughs> I'm talking about LeBron James. But hey, you know, before we get into the Lance Stevenson stuff, at the time of this recording, it is July 19th. And obviously last night, the big Kawhi Leonard mm-hmm. to Toronto trade dropped. And with DeMar DeRozan going over to the San Antonio Spurs, And I wanted to get your quick thoughts on that deal, because as an Indiana Pacers fan, you guys have been in a similar situation dealing with a disgruntled star looking for a trade out with very specific trade requests on top of it just last year with Paul George, obviously. So with that being said, 
what are your quick thoughts on this whole Kawhi Spurs situation? And do you have some PTSD? Do you empathize <laughs> with the Spurs? Yeah, I guess what are your thoughts when that trade dropped and did it harken back to just last summer for you guys? Yeah, it did feel really similar. Uh, you know, I, Paul George came to the, like, well, the, the difference is this. Paul George spent all season talking about how he wanted to stay and, you know, maybe the Supermax could s- sway him to stay versus with Kawhi. You know, you felt like he only played in nine games. You know, he you kind of felt like all year you knew he was going to leave. And then Tony Parker uh, saying his injury was worse than Kawhi's was, was like the last straw on the camel's back. So I, I think there was more optimism PG could stay. But when PG did request to be traded specifically to uh, the Lakers at that time, you know, that from that point onward, I think it was a really similar situation to Kawhi in that, you know, the trade offers were really diminished because, you know, like like we all know, the leverage is all gone for the Pacers. You know, they they know they're trading. They thought they were trading one year rental. It didn't turn out that way, obviously. Um, so the the value was so diminished. And if you'll remember, you know, Victor Oladipo had no trade value at that time. Uh, yep. No one knew what Sabonis would be. So yeah, it looked like uh, with Kawhi, it would just be that, but just on a bigger scale, just because he's a better player than Paul George was. But presumably, the injury had some clouds there, but. Um, so I think they got quite a good return given the the PTSD situation uh, to get to get DeRozan and Pirtles. Pretty impressive. Yeah, and I wanted to talk to you actually about that Paul George trade to OKC. You know, at the time it was perceived to have been a stripped down package for Paul George, and at the time it was also said that Oklahoma City is in a win win situation here, even if Paul George walks because they get to get off Victor Oladipo's. 23 plus million dollar a year contract and in a way people are saying that same thing for the Toronto Raptors where hey you know DeMar DeRozan was an icon in their city and he is an all-star but at the end of the day even if Kawhi walks they do get off his 25 plus million dollar contract in the next three years and they can cleanly rebuild I guess for you how would you compare the return that you guys received to what the Spurs received on their end because in my opinion you know, DeMar DeRozan is a is a legitimate all-star. His game does present its weaknesses in terms of just just being very mid-range centric and a guy who doesn't necessarily play too much defense. But having seen what Victor Oladipo progressed into in the last year, I would almost argue that you guys may have actually gotten a better package for your superstar and Paul George, who isn't of the same clout and caliber as Kawhi Leonard than the Spurs did themselves, especially if you consider the fact that you guys got DeMontis Sabonis, who I think has at least shown more flashes than Jakob Pertl. But who knows? De- DeMar DeRozan and Pertl are going to the San Antonio Spurs, and they seem to extract the best out of every player. So yeah, what, what are your thoughts on, on the package that you guys received for your superstar and the package that the Spurs received for theirs? You know, it's a bit retrospective, right? Because at the time, like you said, Victor Oladipo is perceived as this massively overpaid guy, uh, and the Thunder are lucky to be getting out of his contract in this deal. Uh, now, obviously, we know that that's not the case, and he's quite the good player. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, that at the time of both trades, it looks like the Spurs did better. Um, and I'm with you because on Sabonis. You know, I think he's shown more promise, but he had never even played center. You know, in OKC, they had him playing mm-hmm. the four. So, you know, I think that that uh, it was good for the Pacers at the time to to get two guys who were undervalued and, and being used poorly in a given situation. And, uh, you know, president of basketball operations, Kevin Pritchard pulled the trigger on a big risk there, um, but it really paid off in his favor. So I think given the top at the times of the trade, I would say that the Spurs did a, a quote unquote better job. Um, 
at the same time, you know, Pirtle could be anything. I really like Jakob Pirtle, actually. I think he's mm-hmm. a, an underrated rebounder. Um, but, you know, he could be anything. He, he might be on the bench behind Pau Gasol all year. Uh, and we've all seen what DeRozan shrinks to be in the playoffs. You know, if, if that happens, Pop's going to get so frustrated with him. Uh, so, so it could turn out to be a, a lesser package. But, you know, I think at the time, if you view the scopes at the time of the trade, I think they did okay. For sure. And to circle back on how this relates to the Lakers, you know, for me, when that trade went down with Oklahoma City, I don't know what you guys were thinking. Obviously, with regards to negotiations with the Lakers, you guys were probably hoping for a number two pick, mm-hmm. a lotto pick, something like that. And when the Oladipo trade went down, I still thought that that wasn't a great haul and that you guys could have essentially ended up with even without Lonzo Ball or the number two pick, you guys still could have gotten Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, the number 27 pick, the number 28 pick. And I think this is one of the rare situations where every team involved and not involved actually made out okay in terms of Oklahoma City obviously made out okay because they were <laughs> able to somehow keep Paul George, right? Yep. And you guys made out okay because Victor Oladipo had that huge growth spurt and he made that leap last year into becoming an all-star legitimately. And for us, that number 27 pick and number 28 pick, which presumably I think it would have gone out in a trade if, if it was for Paul George. You know, I'm not exactly sure what the stipulations were on the negotiations between Pritchard and the Lakers, but I'm assuming if it if they were haggling over the number 27th pick, which by the time that Paul George got traded, we had already made, which was Kyle Kuzma the Lakers would have had to give up Kyle Kuzma and presumably Josh Hart too. So in that sense, we're okay with keeping him as well. (laughs) Uh, So it's one of those rare situations where I think everybody made out okay and everybody's satisfied. But for you at the time, were you looking for, were you okay with that Victor Oladipo package? Did you think that even a Randall Jordan Clarkson 27-28 package might have been better than that? Yeah, I like Julius Randall. um, So I kind of liked the Lakers package in that sense. But at the same time, you know, the 27th and 28th picks usually turn out to nothing. And, you know, the late, that was a home run draft for the Lakers, you know, to, mm-hmm. to trade back from 28 to 30 and still get hard, who looks like he might even start this year. Uh, yeah. Kuzma's been awesome. And I like, I had Lonzo Ball number one. So who knows how that'll turn okay. out. But, uh, I, you know, I, my picking order was an order I wanted number two and then I wanted Ingram. And then that package you just talked about with Clarkson Randall, 27, 28. Um, but those two picks didn't do a lot for me, and I don't like Jordan Clarkson that much. So it's pretty much just liking Randall. Um, but I did like that more than the Oladipo trade package at the time. The one that really intrigued me was the Celtics considering an offer of Jalen Brown. Um, mm. And that one would have been what I would have gone for if it was on the table. But uh, I think you're right. Given how it all shook out, I think every team was happy with their involvement and how it went down. Um, but, yeah, to, to answer the question the way you're asking it, yeah, at the time I, I think I liked the Lakers offer more than the Thunders, but – obviously it shook out in a way that proves that I'm not an NBA GM. No, none of us are clearly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it worked out for everybody and that's behind us and we're looking towards the future now. And it was kind of rude of me not to have you give your elevator pitch, but before we get on with the Lance Stevenson stuff, if you want to plug your social sites and, <laughs> and just give us a little bit about yourself and what you do for the Indiana Pacers, what you write about and, and all the platforms you're on as well, go ahead and do so. Yeah, I cover every game and uh, some practices and media stuff for uh, the West Indianapolis Community News. Smaller newspaper covers the west side of Indianapolis, if you couldn't infer that from the name. Uh, and then me and, along with Ben Gibson, uh, are in charge of 8 points, 9 seconds, the fan-sided Pacers blog uh, that's been kicking and screaming for about 8 years now. So 
Um, I'm kind of all over the place with my Pacers publications. Uh, I tweet about them way too much at my uh, Twitter handle is at TEastNBA if you want to follow me and get up to date with a team that is on the rise and looks like they could be pretty good this year. Yeah. All right. So let's get right into it. Lance Stevenson. Uh, um, <laughs> so right after the LeBron James signing happened, Lakers Nation was, we were beside ourselves in, in clear euphoria. And then all of a sudden, the signing started to roll in. KCP signing, okay, that's fine. JaVale McGee, ah, that's funny. But I guess that guy can, you know, catch lobs and stuff. And then the Lance Stevenson thing happened. And we're like, wait, what? Probably the most curious signing of this offseason for the Lakers. I guess I brought you on this show to give us a little insight on Lance Stevenson, his last year or last two years with Indiana. I think he was traded mid-season 2016-17, right? He started on Memphis. He got cut. The Pelicans picked him up on a 10-day. He got cut. The (laughs) Timberwolves picked him up on a 10-day. He did good. He got another 10-day. And then he got hurt, so he got cut. And then the Pacers signed him at the end of the year. So he was kind of all over the place that season. And that's kind of been indicative of Lance (laughs) Stevenson's career since his breakout year with Indiana in 2013-14, I believe. Yeah, Yeah, 2013-14. It feels like 2016-17 was a microcosm (laughs) of Lance Stevenson's career. But having said that, and having been back with Indiana the last uh, year and some change, I guess I wanted to ask you first, as weird and quirky and bipolar as Lance Stevenson (laughs) seems, off the court and on the court, how is he viewed by Indiana fans? Um, obviously, I just mentioned he had his breakout season there back in 2013-14, averaging 14 points, 5 assists, 7 rebounds. Uh, that summer, he didn't en- end up getting the big deal he wanted after his career year, and then since then has bounced around everywhere and has been kind of this volatile, very poor man's version of Draymond Green or Tyreek Evans. Oh, about as poor as you can get. About yeah. As poor as you can get. <laughs> but yeah. How how do Indiana fans view Lance Stevenson, viewed him back then, viewed him now since his return to Indy? Has the fact that expectations have been a, a little more tempered in his return changed things? And and yeah, how do Indiana fans view Lance Stevenson? 13-14 Lance was special uh, in a way that not very many players are special, you know. Uh, you wouldn't, like, it's hard to, like, have this view in retrospect unless you really kept up with the team that year, but... I mean, there were a lot of people clamoring that he should be an all-star that year uh, over someone like Kyle Lowry. You know, you just named off those stats, you know, 14 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists per game. But also, he was the best defender on the team on the perimeter. Um, mm. And, you know, he he energizes an entire stadium by just being who he is, uh, you know. And then that's, that was the postseason where he you know, he blew in LeBron's ear. He did the fake <laughs> death the fake death Simba thing where he got up and he was just fine, you know. Yeah. All that stuff just captures the hearts of your home fans. Uh, so when the Hornets blew him, out, blew him out of the water with their offer, you know, and he left Indiana, it was kind of upsetting for fans at the time. But then he stunk everywhere. You know, there's a reason he went yeah. to six teams in three seasons. And uh, it was kind of like a blessing that they didn't give him the four for 44 he got that summer. But then he came back. Uh, I just talked about that six game period. He came back last year. And it was kind of amazing because not that many people from the 13-14 team were left, but a lot of like the staff were and stuff like that. So he walks in and all these like staffers are like Lance, what's up? And like everyone's all hype and excited for him, and all the players are like, who the hell is this guy? Uh, it was it was pretty it was a pretty interesting time, but it did not take long for him to recaptivate uh, the fan excitement for him. You know, he he played air guitar during a few games this year. Uh, y'all saw what he do does against LeBron yes. and other teammates, which is um, outstanding. Um, 
<laughs> which which is just hilarious. I want to talk about that later. Um, but yeah, you know, somehow he plays better in Bankers Life Fieldhouse than any other stadium in the world. It's I, I can't even explain it. And I watch every game this guy plays. Um, he's just more f- like in home games. He's just more free. And he's not afraid to be Lance. And I think it when he plays more comfortably, he's just better. Um, mm-hmm. And that's always been the case from in Indiana. And I think that if Lakers fans embrace him in that way, he can be that kind of player who's still way better at home than on the road. But right, you know, on he's so beloved in that way. Uh, you asked how fans feel about him because of the how he was in thirteen fourteen. You know, they they embraced him and let him be free, and then. You know, they loved him again because he kept up the antics and was, was Lance Stevenson, basically. Um, so he was really popular uh, as a player, even though he might not have been the, the best player, <laughs> if that's fair. No, totally. And, you know, I'm looking at his stats back in 2013-14. I'm not talking about the season stats, but even just the playoff stats. Mm-hmm. You know, almost 14 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists in the playoffs with not that bad shooting percentages, 45% from the field and 36% from three. Um, and then, you know, when he came back to the Pacers, he did play four games in the playoffs after that at age 26 and averaged 16 points, five rebounds and three assists. And last year, obviously, he was in a much more reduced role, only <laughs> playing about 20 minutes per game. Um, and you can you can uh, give give your input and in, in what you thought about his his playoff run against LeBron James in those seven games. But as a role player with a reduced role, 10 points. 2.7 rebounds and 2.9 assists isn't bad on 46% shooting. Um, but before we get into his game, I guess you 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 guys have had a similar mercurial and bipolar player in the past in Ron Artest slash Meta World Peace. I guess, how would you compare the two players? Obviously, Lance Stevenson is nowhere near as close to the caliber of player Ron Artest was, but in terms of just the the energy and personality that they provide, are they similar in any way? You nailed it in that they're not similar players, and I think that makes them hard to compare because sure. the the biggest difference is that Ron Artest is good at basketball, and Lance Stevenson is not as good at basketball. Sure, um, but Lakers fans didn't ever get to see good uh, Ron Ron because when he went there, he was not as good. Um, but yeah, I mean, Artest it was it was a very bitter relationship you know at first he was really beloved because you know they traded Jalen Rose for him he was a really good player and then the brawl happened um Mm. and he was such a big part of that he missed the entire rest of the season and uh me and a lot of other Pacers people will tell you that the Pacers would have won the 2004 championship against the Lakers ironically uh if if our test doesn't get thrown out of that game and miss the whole season so the brawl really left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth, and so Ron, Ron Artest was not loved in the way Lance was, um, but his antics were different in that he was more like gritty, like those those Pistons teams in the late 80s, where Lance is like funny um, <laughs> in his antics, if that makes sense. So they're, 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 they're similar, but they're but in a very different way. Yeah, for sure. I get that. Um, okay, so going into his game now and how his game has evolved or not evolved the last <laughs> few years, do you think he's sort of settled into his role now as a role player, especially last year. Can you give me some insight into how last year played out for him during the season and during the playoffs? And do you feel like he's at a comfortable place in his life now to really embrace just being a a solid rotation player? Uh, You know, Pritchard came out with that statement this (laughs) off season (laughs) when we all learned that Uh. the the Pacers actually wanted him back. You know, they, they actually had a better offer than the Lakers. I think they were both one-year deals, but the Pacers did offer him more money, so it's not like this guy was totally unwanted. But Kevin Pritchard did say 
quote unquote, sometimes he was the best player on our team and sometimes he was the best player on the other team. Do you think that still characterizes Lance Stevenson? And yeah, uh, I guess how would you characterize his his last season with the Pacers? Uh, I absolutely agree with that statement, 100%. <laughs> I wrote about him today, actually, ironically, mm-hmm. if you want to check it out on 8.9 seconds. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I have some clips in there of him winning games for the Pacers and some of him losing games for the Pacers. You know, it's 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 just who he is. But I think that is what made him finally better than he was for the last three seasons is he did, like, you, like you're like you asking, embrace that he's a role player now. That's what he is. Um, but what helped him, too, besides being in Indiana, is that their second unit last year was kind of devoid of any shot creators. And mm-hmm. Lance is actually, you know, that's probably his best skill is he's pretty good off the dribble. Uh, he can create his own shot. He's not as good at creating shots for others because he's a little wild with his passing sometimes. Um but yeah, you can create his own shot off the dribble, and that, that really sparked the second unit. They had a ball handler um, that wasn't a point guard. They needed that when Victor Oladipo was on the bench. Um, and Lance stepped into that role just fine. And I think, you know, with the way the Lakers have constructed their roster, first of all, I'm not sure how much Lance will play. Uh, he can play two and three, um, but yeah. with, you know, KCP, Ingram, um, Cart, and uh, all those guys, you know, I don't, I'm not sure how much he'll play, but, you know, in this design that it, it looks like you guys are going for with, LeBron at center are mostly in the post and the guards are creating and running. He fits that really well in that he's very energetic on defense and he keeps his hands up and makes stuff happen there. Uh, he's, he, you know, he's deceivingly fast for his size. He can handle the ball. Uh, he can run. So I, th- I think he does actually fit what they're trying to do in that manner. And I think that him embracing the role player in LA will be very possible. So I think that that was part of their sales pitch to him uh, in their contract negotiations. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing with Lance Stevenson is trying to catch all that frenetic energy, try to hone it and rein it in, right? And if you can do that and you're able to do that more times than not, then he becomes an effective player, even in spite of his erraticness. I guess looking at his his role last year versus when he was with, you know, those Eastern Conference Finals contending Pacers teams with George Hill, David West, Roy Hibbert, and, and Paul George, would you agree with the statement that when he's around, obviously last year he wasn't around as many veteran, veteran, more experienced, high-profile players who kind of had the cachet to put him in his place. But would you agree that that's when he's at his best, especially looking back on those 2013 teams with George Hill and David West and Paul George? And I'm just wondering because, you know, we don't have very many veterans on the Lakers upcoming year. But we do have LeBron James and Rajon <laughs> Rondo. And do you think having those types of personalities who won... These are very smart, high IQ players, but also they are such big personalities in the locker room. Do you think that will help to kind of rein him in a little bit? Instead of last year, he did great, but he also was around Victor Oladipo, who was trying to prove himself, Miles Turner, who's still trying to prove himself, and not necessarily guys who have the cachet to be like, hey, Lance, sit your ass down. You're not going to do this for us. So, yeah, do you think that with LeBron James and Rajon Rondo, like having their presence would help Lance Stevenson a bit? You know what's interesting? Uh, the Pacers had a really good locker room last year, and Lance was a big part of that. But mm. you know, as as antically, all right, that's the wrong word. As as wild <laughs> and crazy Lance is on the court, off the court, he's very level-headed and reasonable. And I I don't mm. think he'll ever be a locker room problem per se. Um, but I do think okay. you know having someone as high up, you know, especially as LeBron, who just commands all attention at all times. You know, I think that can only help him. I mean it. Focus is his biggest issue on the court, right? If you have mm. LeBron out there telling you to focus, you're going to snap in and focus. 
Um, so I, I, that can only help them on the court. I don't think off the court, though, you know, like, like you're t- I, I don't know if that's exactly how you, what you were talking about, but mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's a really good locker room guy in general. You wouldn't think that by watching him play or <laughs> hearing him speak ironically, but you know, everyone enjoys being around him. He's funny. He's always cracking people up after the game. He never throws anyone under the bus. You know, we, uh, we ran a story a while ago about, uh, Monte Ellis and how cancerous he was to the locker room. Mm. And I asked Lance, you know, I was asking everybody who was on the team with Monte about it. And they were like, yeah, it was kind of rough, you know. We didn't always get along, and I asked Lance, like, hey, what was the locker room like that year? He's like, oh, I had a blast. Like, everybody was awesome. We had so much fun. You know, me and Monte are boys still. I was like, okay, well, not, <laughs> not putting that quote in the story. Um, but but he just gets along with everybody. So, you know, I mean, when it, when it's time to get serious, if LeBron can whip him into serious mode, I really think he'll, he'll be fine with uh, the group of veterans they have, and Rondo too, I guess. But uh, I don't know how much Rondo is going to have an effect over the team when LeBron's commanding everybody. Oh, for sure. No, but that's a really interesting tidbit that I don't think a lot of people know who aren't Pacers fans. Just the fact that Lance seems to be a very personable, buddy-buddy type of guy who can really, you know, be a, a glue guy in terms of chemistry on the team. Especially if, even with a problem teammate like Monte Ellis, he's not burning bridges. So, that I mean, that's that's honestly very comforting to hear, even just in terms of, if even if he's not playing that much, the fact that he can be a solid presence for our young guys, I think, is important. The less swaggy penis that we can get, the better. And I think, you know, Lance Stevenson has some of that, as we've seen from the uh, In Your Feelings Challenge dance videos oh, that he's been putting out. But, you know, that also kind of fits with the the young core dynamic that the Lakers have going on. Ironically, LeBron James loves to dance as well. I, I, this this team is so interesting, to be honest with you. And I'm looking forward to how they balance out the uh, the chummy chummy goofiness of their their young team and trying to get serious for the playoffs and trying to flip this team into being a contending team in, in, in one season. So that'll be interesting. But I guess along the same lines, um, if you want to give me your unfiltered thoughts on learning that Lance <laughs> Stevenson was signed by the Los Angeles Lakers and that LeBron James is now his teammate. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of a stat dork, so my original reaction was he's gone, like it's it's over, you know. Like uh, he he's not a very good jump shooter, and every time he'd shoot a three in my head or even out loud on occasion, I'd be like, no. Um, <laughs> and, and he made enough of them that he didn't, you know, he didn't earn that. That that's not really fair for me. Like he's about a thirty percent shooter uh, from three, so that's not like so bad, but. Um, he was probably the worst player on the team that played big minutes. So I, I was, I was kind of happy that he went away, but at the same time, um, and this is in the story I wrote today, you know, the fan, like Lance was, besides Victor Oladipo, Lance was the Pacers fan experience. Like that is, that was devastating to so many people in Indiana. And it's hard not to sympathize with people who just lost their smile. You know, like that, that was what, that's what they paid for money to see on the court. So, you know, it, it was tough because my initial reaction was like, I was happy that the team's going to be, you know, probably better from this move. But at the same time, I was sad because, you know, all the people that, that fill up the stadium seats are, are not as happy. So that's always a tough balance for the GM, but it, it was a weird feeling for me. 
And you obviously found the him teaming up with LeBron James thing hilarious. Absolutely hysterical. Yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot to zero in on that part of the answer. Yeah, and even in this playoffs, you know, uh, I'm sure Lakers fans have seen it now if they hadn't actually live. You know, they they wrestled for a jump ball and then Lance mm-hmm. held it up like Simba, baby Simba from The Lion King. And, you know, the whole stadium is roaring and, you know, he did the flopping. And he's, he's like the only guy you can get LeBron's head on his other team. So I wonder if that's why LeBron was like, I want him. You know, I don't have to play against this guy anymore. Um, so that I, I, that's probably an interesting uh, aspect of the mental game. I really wonder how much that had to do with it. But yeah, that's going to be some treat, them playing together. I hope they joke around all the time. That would make me happy. Oh, totally. And I guess in terms of, we know that on the court, in terms of mentality and his intensity, he brings it, as we've seen with his bouts with LeBron James. But if we extract that tangibly in terms of his actual defense... You mentioned in his breakout season in 2013-14 that he was tremendous defensively. Um, I don't think people would agree that that's been the case the last few years. So in terms of his consistency on, on defense now, how much has he regressed defensively? Do you still think that in a pinch, if, if you need him to go guard a guy one-on-one, that he'll be able to bring it? Or do you think it's just a matter of like he's just not as consistent as he once was and he's just not as disciplined as he once was? Or do you still think at the very least he can be this annoying, pesky type of defender that if he's not getting in people's grills physically, then at least he can get into their heads? You know, what he is really good at on D is he was really good at being in the 2013-14 Pacers defensive scheme. You know, that team, every single every single player in the starting five was a really good defender. George Hill... You know, Roy Hibbert, that was when he was, like, destroying the New York Knicks franchise with his defense. Like, that whole team could defend everybody. And Lance was really good at playing with those guys. You know, he would force guys to Hibbert. He would draw guys towards Paul George on the other side. He would, you know, help George Hill out in pick and rolls in a pinch. Like, he was really good at that. But when it comes Mm -hmm. to, like, more general defensive schemes or he has to, you know, play off the ball a bit more, you know, he falls asleep. Or when he has to close out really hard, he goes too hard and blows by the guy, you know. Things like that, he's not as good at. And I, you know, there's the Lakers just aren't going to run the 13, 14 Pacers defensive scheme. It's just they yeah. don't have the right personnel for it. So he's going to be not that good of a defender. You know, he's going to be at best what he was last year. And he's good on ball. You know, he's energetic. He's quick with his feet and he gets in your face. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff that he's not very good at. You know, he just falls asleep. He doesn't really care about defense that much, if we're being mm-hmm. honest, unless it really matters, um, which on ball defense does. So, uh, in that aspect, I, I don't, I, I, I'm, like for you guys, I don't know if his defense will be something that ever gets him put in the game. Um, but if they really need to, like, LeBron's tired, they need someone to guard the ball for one possession, he could do it. But if it's like a five minute stretch, he's not gonna get you anything. Gotcha. Do you think his reduced role and has helped him in any way, kind of just in, in spurts, give <laughs> more effort, be more honed in, have more discipline, or it, it's still kind of a, a roller coaster? Yeah, it, you know, it depends on what, what Lance you get. If you get confident Lance, absolutely playing in spurts is good. Uh, I, I forget, I didn't end up finishing the season with this stat, but I ran a story about halfway through the year um, about his shooting splits in games where he makes his first shot versus doesn't make his first shot. Mm-hmm. And it's like he shoots like 49% in games where he makes his first shot and like 36% <laughs> when he misses his first shot. That's like, amazing. Yeah, he's so, he's so affected by his own feelings. And I think every player is to a degree, but... Uh, I feel like he is more than others. And so, you know, if you, if you can get him to be confident and plan, you know, I'm Lance, I can do this. Uh, yeah, he's a good, uh, jolty role player, like you just said. But if he, uh, if he's kind of in his head and, 
and not focus completely, which on LeBron's team, who knows how much that'll happen. Uh, he can really burn your team and be, and be like Pritchard said, uh, the best player for the other team. Right, right. Okay, so you had mentioned that in the Pacers' defensive scheme, he was phenomenal, and he mm-hmm. knew how to channel offensive players in the right direction, right? So it sounds like if there is a solid defensive scheme in in place that you can actually possibly extract the most out of Lance Stevenson. And I'm only trying to wrestle with these thoughts because you know the Lakers last year they didn't they didn't necessarily have the best defenders on the floor but somehow they managed to get to league average like right or better than league average actually they were they finished either 13th or 12th in defensive efficiency and I think a lot of that was just communication and I'm not sure how tight their defensive scheme is but would you say that if somehow they're able to develop something that's intuitive and as similarly structured to the Pacers scheme or or just has structure to it, as, as I guess what I'm getting at, do you think that he fits better when it's kind of laid out for him in a blueprint sort of way and he knows what to do instead of, um, instead of a, a team and system where it's kind of just left free-for-all on defense, I guess? Yeah, he's better... Um when he has a rim protector behind him. I don't know mm, if okay. that's on purpose or not, um, but his defensive rating when he played with DeMontis Sabonis, who is not a rim protector at all, was like north of 110, like at 111 worst in the NBA levels of, <laughs> of bad defense. Yeah, but when he played with Miles Turner, you know, that was like 108 and a half, or like, one, you know, like four points lower, uh, three or four points lower. You know, he's a lot better, and that's why he's so good with Hibbert, is that he can, he's, he's just better at channeling guys, in, in the right ways when he knows he's got someone good behind him. Um, and this is not a knock on the Lakers big man. Like it's not a surprise that JaVale McGee and Avicii Zubac cannot defend the rim. Um, so I don't think that will help him, but I think LeBron at center could help him. Uh, LeBron's just good on D at everything. Uh, he doesn't, tr- he doesn't try. So obviously he's a negative a lot, but when he does try, he's a good defender. Um, so I think that could help him. And I think, uh, you know, I, I, that's what really helps a lot. And playing next to Paul George, sometimes he wasn't guarding the best perimeter player. Like, that scheme was perfect for him. So, but yeah, there is a way that the Lakers could could make that happen. Yeah, like you said, I, I think Luke Walton really got them to buy in on D last year. Uh, and it was amazing how he got Swaggy P to play D at the end of two years ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, totally. So, I, I, yeah, it's certainly possible. And the Lakers love getting these fun guys and kind of... Re- doing reclamation projects so i'm sure they could find the right defensive scheme for him but i don't think they have the right personnel to make the scheme that would work for lance work in la if that makes sense so you're saying we need to trade for call anthony towns and he'll be great uh or sure. maybe uh porzingis some, someone who can actually protect the rim or, or clint capella yeah or Steven if javel mcgee is actually able to uh oh boy I'm not even gonna say take take that leap but he is he is a rim protector in a sense and Presumably speaking, if Lance Stevenson and JaVale McGee are only both playing around 10 to 15 minutes, how funny would it be to have that Shaq and a fool duo <laughs> out on the floor at all times? And they may, I mean, it's funny to think about now, but given just the, what you just described about Lance Stevenson and the type of personnel he needs around him, for spurts, Lance Stevenson and JaVale McGee might actually work. Who knows? You know what? I don't get to talk about the Lakers enough, so I'll go on a tiny rant just because I get to talk about the Lakers. JaVale McGee yeah. is an underrated basketball player. Like, like he, he, he gets all this hate from the Shackton days when he was in Washington. And I actually grew up a Wizards fan, so I watched uh, mm. a fair bit of those. But, like, now that he's not falling down when he runs down the court and, you know, doing stuff on the wrong basket and stuff, like, 
he's effective catching lobs. He sets good screens. He, yeah, like you said, he's okay enough as a rim protector. Like, JaVale McGee is not a terrible basketball player. And I think that he's fun. And I think that he and Lance are going to have such a good time together that they might just end up being a good duo. I, they could be a disastrous, like, shacked and awful duo, too. But there, there is a, there's a way that those two work out well together, and I'm here for it. Oh, absolutely. And I'm very much looking forward to all of the three-point dance celebrations <laughs> and hand- handshakes that LeBron James, Lance Stevenson, and oh, JaVale McGee gosh. come up with. I uh, can't It wait. should be a very, very interesting season for the Lakers, and uh, we can only hope that also translates to the court. I guess, okay, to, to end this show, what do you think he can bring, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier, um, what do you think he can bring offensively in 15-minute spurts uh, throughout the season you know, he, throughout his career, regardless of how up and down he's been with his percentages and just being able to snag on with a team, one thing he's always been great at is rebounding. I mean, he always finishes in like the top percentile of getting defensive rebounds. And the Lakers as a team, their whole strategy coming into next season is run, 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 yep. get the rebound, push the ball ahead. And on top of it, like you mentioned it earlier, but Lance Stevenson is pretty good as a primary initiator and primary playmaker. Is it an adventure? Yes. But at <laughs> least, you know, in a pinch, this guy can handle the ball, break his man down. And that's, I think, with regards to what LeBron James just experienced his, well, his pretty much his entire career, but as he's been aging and especially last year. He has specifically said that he wants more ball handlers. He doesn't want to always have the ball in his hands and have to create. And 15 minutes a night, Lance Stevenson with the ball if LeBron is tired and if the shot clock is running down and the Lakers' offensive set has broken down. I think someone like that could help. Sometimes we get a Jordan Clarkson adventure, but I think Lance Stevenson is on this team specifically because he has had playoff experience. Um, So I guess, yeah, what would you say about Lance's offensive contributions to a team like the Lakers and what the Lakers are trying to do this next year? Yeah, they, you know... uh... I think he has to be with the right guys to be that effective ball handler um, because he needs a good screener and he needs a little bit of space. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't think surrounding him with like Lonzo or or, or I don't, you wouldn't have Lonzo and Rondo, but one of Lonzo or Rondo, uh, I think you have to have it be Lonzo. I think Rondo and him would not work too well. And I think if you have him in there, you're going to need Ingram or, K- Ingram or KCP out there just for the shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think he would, he would play really well with Mo Wagner uh, as a pick and roll slash pop guy. I, I Mo Wagner could suck, but it looks like he's <laughs> going to be a good NBA player from some summer league and stuff. Um, so I, I look, I think there there's you know you have to be in with the right guys to be peak effectiveness. But yeah, you know off the dribble he can do the stuff LeBron wants him to do, uh, and he can push. And I think him and LeBron together would work just fine. You know, uh, Lance has actually okay basketball instincts for being a goofball all the time. Um, he always he always cuts to the right spot when like the defense breaks down and stuff like that. So I think if LeBron's drawing a bunch of attention, uh, Lance could help there too. Um, and if, if there's ever somehow a lineup where Lance is the best dribbler on this Lakers team, uh, <laughs> that would mean he's surrounded by probably JaVale, Kuzma, Ingram, and let's let's go Sfee. So he's got some shooters around him, so he could uh, he could thrive in that group too. So it's all lineup dependent, but I think he can uh, he can figure out his role. No, those are very good points. And I think what I'm most excited about is just the transition opportunity yep, that hopefully he can be in, especially as as a guy who fights for rebounds and can push the ball himself and also throw some pretty nifty and flashy passes. In fact, if you watch a Lance Stevenson highlight video, man, if you didn't know his stats <laughs> or what he's done negatively, you'd be like, this guy's an all-star. He's amazing. He's like a and one street ball. Like, yeah, I guess that just 
lends itself to who he is as a bipolar, erratic, best player one night, best player for the other team the next night kind of player. But in that sense, it's it's exciting, <laughs> right? It's the best adventure you'll never want to have again. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess we'll see. And we only have him for one year. But, you know, Tony, thanks for coming on tonight. I, I actually learned a lot about Lance Stevenson and not, not only in terms of his off-court how he is off court with his teammates and in the locker room, but also how he fit into the Indiana Pacers scheme and and what best suits him. And and with a player like him, environment and what you put around him is so important, right? I 100% agree. (laughs) I'm glad that he is in a fun environment. I think that will suit him well. The Lakers are going to be obscenely fun. Yeah, hopefully that that lends itself to to wins as well and and turning (laughs) into a contending team. But I'm I'm along for the ride and the adventure. And um, yeah, this is going to be fun. Or now it's going to be fun. Whatever that Steve Nash. (laughs) (laughs) The best Sports Illustrated cover ever. I know. I know. Um, Yeah. So, Tony, thanks again for coming on. Um, I can't believe we have gone 40 minutes into this talking about Lance Stevenson somehow. But we did it. It's summer. Um, before you head out, why don't you once again just just plug all your stuff? And if you have anything coming down the pipeline, you can do so as well. Uh, yeah, it's at T East, like the direction NBA on Twitter. Um, uh, all of my stuff mostly right now is out at eight points nine seconds because there's no games for me to write for the paper. Uh, we just started a series, our love hate series, where you write some some stuff we love and hate about every player. Uh, we don't use the word hate though because that's too strong for articles apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> little mini rant there. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's, it's going well. Uh, Pacers are really actually interesting now after a few years in the slog fest. So, uh, hop on in and read. You'll learn something. Awesome. Thank you once again for coming on. And you guys got Tyreek Evans, man. That's Woo. the guy we should have got in, but we pretty much flip flopped Lance Stevenson and Tyreek <laughs> Evans and you got the richer version. But hey, all good, man. Um, happy that you guys somehow we're able to make it through that very dark Paul George time, you know, and now we're on the same page. We can be petty about Paul George. That guy sucks, dude. Nah, he's awesome. No, you know, he's big, awesome. Okay. I'm a big Paul George. <laughs> okay. I get what you got. You guys are the team that's allowed to slander him. Pacers fans are not. He almost got them to finals twice. Lakers fans can, that's Lakers fair. fans can rip him more than we can. You guys didn't feel betrayed by him at all. And just him being a people pleaser, saying the right things, but doing something, you, you know, his actions not following through with that. Uh, it, it's like a breakup. Like it sucks, but eventually you just remember the good stuff, right? That's fair. That's fair. All right. With that said, thank you once again for coming on the Lakers Legacy Podcast. And you know, yeah, let let's have you on again sometime soon when Lance Stevenson does something idiotic, <laughs> or <laughs> or if he does something amazing. So who knows? You bet. Or for a Lakers Pacers game. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. We'll catch you later. <laughs> This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? 
These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.